Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. All right. Uh, the scripture for this morning, if you'd like to follow along with me, again, we're starting the summer in the Psalms. The first Psalm I want us to read is Psalm 1. And so I'm going to read that for us here. Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which will yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked won't stand in the day of judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. <clears throat> like I said this morning, I want to begin our summer sermon series, and it'll last all summer long, a reflection on the Psalms. Uh, I call it a summer in the Psalms, and each Sunday I will preach on a different psalm. I've picked 14 really good ones <clears throat> to preach on, and along with our Sunday services, we have these bookmarks that you can read, and it'll only, have a, a, you know, just a, one psalm a day. It'll only take you probably five minutes a day to read it. And uh, for those who don't know, Psalms is a book in the Old Testament right in the middle. In fact, my youth pastor used to tell us kids there in high school, just try to open your Bible to the middle and most likely you will hit Psalms. Um, but the Psalms are different from any other book in the Bible. They aren't historical accounts or stories, but they're poetry and they're songs and they're prayers. Uh, the Psalms are the words of the people uh, praying their devotions or fears or concerns or their hurts out to God. And some of them are songs, and they were all around when Jesus and his disciples uh, were doing their ministry. And so this is what they had as their hymnal or prayer book. Uh, Jesus often quoted the Psalms, even from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is Psalm 22. There are 150 Psalms in our Bible, and most Hebrew children back in Bible times learned them in school, and they knew them from memory. Imagine that confirmation class, 150 Psalms known from memory. Well, King David, he wrote 73 of the Psalms. The sons of Korah, who are 8th century BC worship leaders, they wrote 12 of them. Solomon wrote one, Moses one. The others were written by different people. Most are only about 6 to 10 verses long, except for Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter in the Bible. It is 176 verses. What I love about the Psalms is that they reveal the heart of God and the heart of his people. They are raw and honest. There is a psalm in there when you're in trouble, a psalm to pray when you're afraid, a psalm when you're headed up to the temple, another when you've screwed up again and asking for forgiveness, a psalm when you want God to take care of your enemies, another when you have great faith, another when you're struggling in doubt 
or grief. David praised the Lord when things were going good and when things were difficult. He sang of God's faithfulness and his love, and he also cried out in Psalm 42, Have you forgotten me? Or Psalm 51, Have mercy on me. The Psalms are from the soul. They're from the heart of us. And these days, I really want to rest in the heart of God. I need that these days. I want to spend time with the Lord as my friend. And, and the Psalms convey the emotions that are common to believers in every season of life and every age. It's Hebrew poetry, it's honesty, but also expressing our confidence in God's guidance. Psalm 23 is read at nearly every funeral. Those now famous words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Psalm 46 is written on the wall of our church in the hallway there. Be still and know that I am God. Powerful words of emotion cried out by God's people and, and God's response to them that they hear and they're putting it into the songs and the poetry of the emotions of living life and trusting in God during it. So I'm going to follow uh, the reading plan on this bookmark myself. I want you to know that. I'm going to read a psalm every day. I've decided for myself that I'm going to read it in the morning. First thing, in fact, a practice for me that I'm going to do is I'm going to read it the very first thing when I wake up. Normally I wake up and I pick up my phone that is right there next to my bed. But I've decided to change things up this summer just even for my mind, you know, and my heart. And I want to wake up and grab a coffee and sit in my chair and read the psalm for the day and think about it a little and pray before anything else. And then I've decided for myself, I'm going to read the psalm for the day also at night before I turn off the light to go to sleep. I want to be thinking about that instead of all the worries or disappointments from the day. I want to treat the Psalms like food or exercise or a morning walk. It is good for me. I need this to clear my head and to fill it with God's word and let his thoughts be my thoughts and to guide my heart. And I am looking forward to a summer in the Psalms because I want to draw near to God this summer. It's my prayer for me and it's my prayer also for you, that you would maybe do that too. So this morning we begin, and I've chosen to start by, like I said, looking at the first psalm, but it's actually the first two psalms. Uh, mostly I'm going to talk about Psalm 1 today, but I want to end the sermon today by talking about Psalm 2, because these two psalms kind of go together, and they are different from the rest of them. I say that because every commentator that I read said that Psalm 1 and 2 are the introduction to the whole book. They're what we would call the call to worship. Psalm 1 opens with the words blessed, and Psalm 2 ends with the word blessed. They kind of go together. Uh, I read Psalm 1 already. It's about how blessed is the person who chooses to rest and listen and obey God and his word. Psalm 2 says, blessed are the people who take refuge in him. And so these two themes 
really open up the Psalms. Whose voice are we going to listen to and obey? And who are we going to turn to in our times of trouble? And the Psalms tell us, call on your shepherd. Call on your Lord. Wilma Sundin, our piano player in the, in the early service and wonderful part of our church, um, she told me a beautiful story about her and her late husband, Norm. She loves talking about Norm and misses him so much. She knew she was going to marry Norm when they were only in the third grade. She saw him on the playground, she says, and, and loved him from the start. They dated throughout high school and then got married soon after, were together nearly 60 years before he died. And like everyone, life had its shares and ups of ups and downs for them. They had to face many challenging things in life, like bankruptcy, health issues, loss of parents, raising kids, just life stuff. But she told me what sustained them all of those years of, of family, she said, was, that, was the Lord. And how on their wedding night, she tells this story, and I absolutely love it. She says, on their wedding night, Norm took her by the hand, and they knelt down beside the bed, and he read Psalm 1 and told her, this is how we're going to do our life. And she said, together that first night, they prayed on their knees. Norm took his wife by the hand, and they knelt down beside their bed the very first night as husband and wife. And they read Psalm 1, and they prayed. This is a tree planted by streams of water, a life and a marriage and a home, choosing to be built on the Lord and turning to his word, his promises, his commands, and trusting in his faithfulness. And I just want to tell you today, you can do that today. As a couple or as a family, you can do that tonight at your home. Take your wife by the hand. Take your kids, or if you're single, just kneel down beside your bed or in the living room or seated around your kitchen table and call on the Lord. Read Psalm 1 and pray together. Choose to do your life in him, like a tree planted by streams of water. Whenever anybody settles in a new land, they first look for water. It's a must. In the Old Testament, Abraham, Jacob, David, when he built Jerusalem, it's all desert over there. The scriptures that speak about where they settled and built a home, it always says they did where the water was. When you're going to settle anywhere, you first look for water. That's number one. You have to have streams in the desert, a well you can dig, something, because without water, you won't survive. Well, Psalm 1 draws upon that illustration to talk about our life 
to talk about Norm and Wilma and their new marriage and what they're going to need, their future, their family. It says, blessed is the one who won't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of living water, which will yield its fruit in season and whose leaf will not wither and whatever he does will prosper. It's, it's interesting to me that Jesus is called the Word made flesh in the New Testament. And he often told people uh, to come to him for living water. That if they asked him or remained in him, that they too would bear fruit in life. In fact, in John seven thirty seven, it says that Jesus stood and in a loud voice, he said, let anyone who's thirsty come to me for a drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, Jesus meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believe in him would later receive. If we build our life in Christ, there is a promise. If we abide in him, there is a great promise. If we come to him, if we turn to him, if daily we seek him in his word, we will not go thirsty. We will have to face many challenges and tough things and as every life does, but he will sustain us. He will fill us. He will watch over us. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and on it meditates day and night. The word meditate simply means to think deeply about it. It means to do as we're going to do this summer, to open up uh, the word and daily read it and think about it. And, and, and as the day goes on, you know, think how it might affect you. Think about how it applies to you, what God is saying to us within it, and then close our day by reading it again. That is what we would call meditating on it. It is filling our head with the thoughts and words of God, letting them seep down into our heart, letting them affect our behavior and our attitudes, letting them guide our life and beliefs and hopes and our dreams. It's God's word and his voice that we are needing. This really matters what we think about. You know, how uh, somebody asked me this week, how do we stay positive in such a negative world? How do we stay faithful when all around us people are doing opposite? How do we stay loving? How do we stay obedient when we're living in this world? Well, we have to be thinking and spending time with the Lord to do it. To renew our mind daily and to pour, have him pour water over our dry and weary souls. Without it, we dry up and wither and so does our faith. And, and so to begin uh, to turn to him for, for what satisfies and can fill us. This is what we need. That is what the psalm says. Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked or sit in the seat with mockers who will influence you away from God. Stay with the Lord. Keep your mind on him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus. He's the fountain of living water. Abide in him and his word. Let him shape you and guide you and lead your life and your family. Stick with God. My son has been playing soccer for Waverly this year and 
with this heat wave this week in state games, uh, his coach sent a message to all us parents, push the fluids. And I guess he also told it to the kids multiple times throughout the week. Drink lots of water. Stay hydrated. Well, if you'd allow me, let me be your coach. In this world right now, drink lots of water. Stay hydrated in the Lord. Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. Psalm 63 says, Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole body longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Why are so many of us tired, defeated, weary, discouraged, apathetic, losing our patience, losing our desire, lacking joy, lacking perseverance, lacking peace, losing touch with ourselves, our families, and God? It's because we're desperately thirsty. We've been meditating on the wrong things, drinking from the wrong wells, when the Lord is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble of heart, and here you will find rest for your soul. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I won't be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters where he restores my soul. Stay hydrated. It matters. It matters who's speaking into your life, who's leading your life, where you are planted. It matters what you're thinking about, what you're focused on, what you fill your schedule with, and what you read or listen to most. It matters who you're with and who you let guide your thoughts and your feelings about yourself or life or your belief. Blessed is the one who doesn't walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but he whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates. He drinks of it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. You know, there have been a number of studies done about how the world has changed since 2008. Uh, that was the year the smartphone really began and took off. With that invention, the daily life of most people was affected. How we do things, how we communicate, how we get connected, how we get information, do business, do life. We're now always plugged in, constantly connected to news, to social media feeds, to opinions, to politics, to the world at our fingertips all the time. The good, the bad, the ugly, we're plugged in influenced by more than I think we realized, focused on what it keeps saying matters and what it says. And every study I've ever read has said that people today have much more depression, anxiety, loneliness, and mental health issues. And I'm not just blaming the phones. It's more complex than that. But I know for myself how my life has been affected by this change. My phone is often the first thing I turn to when I wake up. It's like I'm always working, always searching. I often run my battery out every day looking at that device. Why? What is the draw? 
I know for myself how even when I am waiting for something, I'm usually not resting. I'm not meditating on the Lord. I'm not visiting with a stranger. I'm doing as, as you know, mindlessly scrolling through that device. I'm not doing what Paul says I should do in Philippians, think about what is good and right and pure and holy. I'm filling my head with whatever's there, just drinking of a well that doesn't satisfy And I know for myself, even when I'm with my wife and kids in the same room, we can be looking at our phones instead of each other. Why? Filling our head with useless information and opinions and news and entertainments that isn't making me any more Christ-like at all. And of course, it's not all bad. There are many good things about this technology. But what would it look like to unplug a little? What would it look like to follow Psalm 1 today? What kind of discipline do we need? as families and kids and adults in a marriage, to make sure we are planted in the right place, meditating on the right stuff, being shaped by the right patterns and beliefs, not the agenda of the world. It really matters what we're meditating on, what we're thinking about and listening to, where we are building our life. What does God want us to hear from Psalm 1? today. I think for starters, to have a Psalm 1 life, you got to want a Psalm 1 life. A lot of people don't. They're content to meditate on the Kardashians and to watch four hours of news that just gets them all riled up and to fight on Facebook and to fill their schedules with cares and worries of what the world says matters. But I want a Psalm 1 life. And I I think you probably do too. Me and Carrie and our kids, I, I want us to be a place. I want to I build a home and a life from the living water. You know, in Him. And making Him the center in His Word. Something that I'm thinking about all day long. And it's a word that, you know, of, of Jesus Christ there that that I want just commonplace in my home. Where it's not odd to mention a verse. To just stop and just pray about something. Or to have his name spoken. I want to have a Psalm 1 life. Where I daily take some time with Jesus. And let him fill my cup. And turn off the stuff that isn't helping me at all. Or, but to do what he wants. And to shut off the valve of the world. And to turn on his valve full blast. I want a Psalm 1 life. I think it also means Colossians 2, 6, and 7, where it says, just as you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That word continue means something to me because I know how much I used to study and spend time with him and the zeal in my heart for him and that relationship that I had with Christ when it was new and fresh and and, and, and I can let it run dry. I can let other things take my heart and steal my mind. I, but I know I can't do ministry or be the father or husband or witness I need to be without him. So I can't be too busy for the Lord. I've got to stay rooted. I've got to continue to live in him. I've got to be built up in him. I've got to be overflowing with thankfulness for him, to abide in him so that I 
keep growing, so that I keep connected, so that I, so that Colossians really helps us think about what does it mean to do a Psalm 1 life? You got to continue every day in Him. You know, uh, Joe Rush uh, uh, and Jessica and myself have made a, a little tree walk in the back here. Um, of our church. And it's just a beautiful little thing you can do. And it's got uh, some Bible verses and questions to ponder that are attached to the different trees as you walk along. And, and it's a way to slow down and to clear your head and to reconnect with the Lord and, and think about Him. You can take that walk some time to reconnect and to continue to build and plant yourself. You can grab a couple church friends this summer or next year and, and say, let's be a small group together. Let's, let's get together once a week at this coffee house or at, at wherever we're going to be before work and, and we're just going to read a short chapter and pray. That's how you do Psalm 1. You continue to live in Him. I think it also means Deuteronomy 6.4, which says, The Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love Him with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. These commands are to be upon your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're walking along the road, when you lie down at night and get up in the morning. Write them on the very door frames of your houses. That means, parents, be responsible for your kids' faith. I know you want them to have all the opportunities in the world and to be a part of all these different things and not miss anything. Uh, but don't leave out the Lord in all of that. Be responsible for their faith. Read to them God's word. Have conversations in your home about the Lord as you, you sit there and you're driving along the road. Pray as a family. That is your job. That's what the Bible is saying. That if you can't be in church, you do church as a family on your own. Watch online that sermon. Read a scripture. Pray. Talk about the Lord. Make your home a home planted by streams of water. When you're watching a movie and it's not good, turn it off. And teach your kids why you are. Talk about your expectations of the phone use. And help them know what it means to love the Lord with all their heart and mind. This is how we do Psalm 1. We get serious, like Colossians says and like Deuteronomy says. It's like, we're going to make our home this. We're going to continue like we always have. We're going we're to do this so that we're a tree planted by streams of water. He has to matter the most in your life, more than any sport or job or chores or list or friend. This world will pull you away from him. He will, that will pull you away from the fountain of living water. But blessed is the one who doesn't let it, but whose delight is in the Lord and who meditates on his word. You know, back in Bible times, Deuteronomy 6 uh, was read every day, and Psalm 1 was read once a week. That's what we know from, from Jewish life back in the Bible times. And I find that interesting because even back then, the pull of the world was so great that they had to remind themselves every day to, as they read Deuteronomy 6, this is what our home's going to be. And every week they had to read Psalm 1 and say, this is what my life is going to be. So Psalm 1 reminds us that the blessing of God is upon the life who abides in him and meditates on his word. And Psalm 2 reminds us 
Blessed are the people who take refuge in him. And I just want to end this sermon by, by reading Psalm 2 and then having one comment to close. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up. The rulers hold to band together against the Lord and against his anointing, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs at them. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I'll proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you're my son. Today I've become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son and, or he will be angry and your way will lead to the destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment, but blessed are those who take refuge in him. The word refuge here means the person who turns to God when they're in trouble. And I want you to think about that. This is a simple little question. Who do you turn to when you're in trouble? When all around the earth gives way, where do you look? When your job or your family or life seems to be falling apart, where do your eyes go? Who do you turn to for help? The psalm here says, nations can conspire against each other and against God. Kings and rulers can do their thing in the world, but the Lord is over them all. He laughs at their plans. He rebukes their efforts. It says in verse 10, you kings be wise, you rulers be warned. Serve the Lord and fear him or you will fall. Who do you turn to when you're in trouble? Throughout the Bible, God's people often turn to other nations or gods or idols for help. They had to learn that those things could not protect them. Like us, we can put our trust in all the wrong places, in the wrong king. Psalm 2 says, blessed are those who take refuge in him. This psalm points us to Jesus, for it speaks of the anointed one who will break every chain, the one enthroned in heaven, the installed king of Zion. It's talking about the Lord and how God's people find eternal refuge in him. And I think fear is so big today, and so many times it is because we're seeking peace from the wrong place, when Jesus had promised to give us peace that a world cannot give. He keeps saying, trust me in this storm, in this uncertainty. For he has conquered sin and the grave. He has overcome and brought us forgiveness. He's calmed the storm. He's cast out the demon. He is bigger and stronger and greater than anything we face. And that's why the psalm says, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Who do you turn to when you're in trouble? Psalm 1 and 2 is like a call to worship. Blessed are those who don't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord and on it they meditate day and night. They're like trees planted by strong, thriving <laughs> trees planted by streams of water which will yield its fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither. Blessed are those who when in trouble find their refuge in him, who turn to the king above all kings, who trust and rest in the Lord in the tough times. He won't fail them. He won't let their foot slip. The nations will be their inheritance and the earth their possession. Dear God, I pray as we begin this series, as we begin this summer in the Psalms, meditating on your word,
that you would fill up our dry and weary souls, that we would turn to you, that we would plant our life and our home and our family right where you are, that we might benefit from all that you are, that we might abide in you, that our life and our church and would bear fruit. It's in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you are able to join us in worship again soon. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church programs and events, head to bccwaverly.org.